Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Today I have on the call with me a good friend of mine who lives in Virginia. Yes, I have a friend who's a Yankee. And... My friend is John Rowell. I met John when we were in college at University of Alabama, and that's really when he and I both got bit by the turkey bug, or at least got started with our turkey hunting at that time. And John is a member of the group that goes with me on the trip out of state every year that we go on, and he and I have a common goal, and that is to kill a turkey in every state that has turkeys. So, John, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me and share one of the stories from one of our trips with us today. Yeah, well, first, um, I would have been disappointed if you hadn't thrown the Yankee in there at some point in time. <laughs> I, 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 I will remind you that Virginia, we're not Yankees in Virginia. And, um, you know, I, I'll keep repeating that until it gets through somebody's thick head. But I also understand that anybody north of anybody in the south is a Yankee. So I guess I guess I got to deal with it to some extent as we as we go through it. So I'm glad to be on. I, I, I appreciate the Yankee commentary because you guys know it drives me crazy. And yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on your uh, on your podcast today. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. But yes, I am one of the guys that is on the goal of shooting a turkey in every state in the United States, at least uh, all that we can shoot them in. And it's been a heck of a time and a heck of a goal, and it's hard to pull off. But man, we're having a good time going after it. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's that's what it's all about. For me anyway yeah, and I've, I've, yeah. had a, I've had a blast on all the trips that we've been on the story that i want you to share with everybody today is is from our hunt in missouri and we got turned on to this outfitter in missouri and i'm not going to mention any names because our experience was not wonderful the first until, until two until days the, of the until trip the, until the very end but yeah 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 <laughs> hmm. and so just to give you a, a real quick rundown, and then I'll turn John loose on the story, but to give you a quick rundown of what happened, we got hooked up on this with this outfitter through an acquaintance of one of the guys that goes on the trip with us every year is Chip. And this acquaintance had been up and hunted with this outfitter several years in a row and just told stories about how many turkeys they have and how great the hunting was and you know, he felt confident that we could get up there and kill a turkey without any problem at all. So we book a three-day trip, and somehow, some way, word got around to the owner of the outfitter that 
the acquaintance that turned us on to the group, the years prior that he had been there, had killed more turkeys off of the ranches that the outfitter has than he was supposed to have killed and didn't tell anybody. So the outfitter automatically thinks that we're associated with this guy, that we hunt the same way that this acquaintance hunts, and that's far from the truth. So he gar holes us, and he puts us on these 20 and 40 and 60 acre ranches that either don't have turkeys or they have turkeys that roost in the one tree that's on the property line. The turkey flies down on the neighbor's property and you never see it or hear it again. And so that happened to us for two days. And the acquaintance found out that the owner of the outfitter operation knew that he had been killing more birds. And so he got with the owner and got the situation straightened out and let the owner know that we were not involved in any of that and that our hunt up there should not be affected by his previous action. So, you know, we appreciate him stepping up and going to bat for us. And just so turns out that after they had that conversation, we get turned on to a ranch that was, what, about 400 acres, John? Does that sound about right? Yeah, 450, 405, but, you know, not not yeah. huge, not small, but definitely not not, not a huge track around, but a, a heck of a lot more than the 20-acre blocks we were hunting the two days prior. Yeah. Exactly. And they had more than one tree on it, and I'll be dang if that piece of property didn't have more than one turkey on it. In fact, the first afternoon that they gave us the map to this place, you and Brian and I drove the car out there. And in Missouri, it's illegal to hunt after one o'clock in the afternoon. So we drove the, the vehicle out there and parked the vehicle on the road on the side of one of the fields on the property. And I'm probably underestimating when I tell you that there's at least 100 turkeys that came out of the woods into this field and used this field to stage before they flew up in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. There was, were that, that field was insane. That field was insane. The turkeys all came out. But, you know, obviously the toms were out there strutting. Um <laughs> hens were dusting. There was just chaos everywhere. There were just, you know, birds all over the daggone place. And they all got out and congregated and I feel we sat there well, we glassed them for an hour, didn't we? I oh, mean, yeah. just looking at them, and 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 the field was a it was a, a typical farm field. It rolled down into some draws with creeks in it, and it rose up into into a flat where they were had in. I think it was a winter wheat. I think is what they had in there. But it had fingers of woods coming out, and you know, around flat time, all these turkeys kind of just went off in their own little direction around the centralized field. And flew up into their little corners of the field that they that they claimed to be home for that particular evening. But it was unbelievably impressive. In fact, no matter where I've traveled, I think that's probably the most turkeys I've seen in a single field at any one time. And you would normally think you'd see some Miriams gaggled up like that, and you know we have, right? Yeah. But I don't think that that I don't think for those numbers that was it was an insane amount of turkeys in that field. I think in Wyoming when we hunted there. I counted 52 turkeys in one field yeah. one afternoon. Yeah, that's the other place where we saw the, the most amount of turkeys all all together that during the spring that were, were out in a group. But this was double that easy. Yeah, Missouri, it was just jam-packed with turkeys out in this field. And so we watched the turkeys fly up that afternoon, and we knew we were coming back to hunt that area the next morning. 
so we get up at before daylight and travel over there and we all three split up and went to different areas of the property we kind of had in mind where we wanted to go when we got there and so we all split up we know approximately where everyone's located so there won't be any safety issues and you know we've kind of got our little boundary lines that we're not going to go across even if there's turkeys gobbling over there and that morning not too long after fly down i killed one and brian killed one and you had not killed one no my bird flew down and went across i was on the edge of the line my bird flew down with the other birds and actually went across the line and 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 wasn't coming back you just cut straight out there following hence but no i was turkeyless at that point yeah and i wish i could say that my story was very exciting and everything else and it's not but what happened after my kill is extremely exciting and it that hunt has got to be if not the all-time most unbelievable hunt it's got to be right up there with them so i guess actually i was as close to the property line on that end of the property as I could get. There was one finger of woods between me and that property line, which was the road that we drove in on and stopped on the edge of the field the afternoon before and watched the turkeys. Across the road from the piece of property that we were hunting is a farmhouse, and a farmer's got his barn over there, and he's uh, getting ready for the day over there doing some work on his equipment and everything and we can hear him kind of rattling around or whatever else and but i had shot john knew i shot and brian had shot john starts moving around trying to find us and i told him to come over to where i was that there was a turkey goblin between me and the road Mm -hmm. and so john gets over there and he says wow you know that turkey is goblin a good bit so john from that point i'm going to let you kind of take over well and you gotta you gotta join in as we go through it. But I mean, I think one of the things that's worth saying is this was the last day. We were done. Yeah. And some of the people listening may be trying to go out and shoot a turkey in every state. Some people may not be. Some people just may go on trips. And when you go on a trip, obviously you're out there with your buddies. You're having a good time. I mean, that's really the, the most important thing. But at the end of the day, you want something to happen. You know, you don't want to go home without without a bird. And had the morning. Um, we've been hunting for two days in lousy spots. I mean, just flat out lousy spots. And we go out in the morning, we watch all these, you know, hundred and some turkeys the day before. We all get in to where we need to be in the morning. Birds fly down. <clears throat> Guns are going off everywhere, and I'm sitting there, right? And I'm like, man, it's done. I mean, it's done for me, and whatever. It's been a good hunt, and you know, always aren't aren't successful on every hunt. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day... A lot of pressure. Yeah, a ton of pressure. Cause, at that you know, stage, you, if you're the last well, one to kill. You're the last one, and, and we go as a group, right? And so, yeah. you know, we're all trying to go and get something done, a state done as a group. And so you really want to you really want to make it happen. You don't want to go back on your own. You don't want to be disruptive to the other guys and, and everything else that's going on. So, But you get, you know, you get done. You're like, well, it is what it is. And so I go over and... I'm done. I'm done, done. And like I said, other people are shooting. And I think we even talked to Brian before we went and hunted this bird. And he had got his bird. And, you know, obviously you had yours. And when we're over there in the corner, there is this turkey that's gobbling. And he's gobbling pretty good. I mean, it's 9 o'clock, roundabout. Yeah. And he's still gobbling good. So, I mean, you know, if you're turning, you're hunting and a turkey's still gobbling at 9, you're like, well, I got a shot on that joker. Mm-hmm. Something can happen there. 
And Randy and I sat there and we talked a little bit about it. And we said, well, let's go give it a go. Let's go see what we can do with this thing. So we eased down in the woods. And, and I was talking earlier, this field had some draws with creeks. And it would roll up to the, the flat field top where they're farming it, right, where they could farm it. But but all the, the drops and the ups were, you know, the draws around it were all up and down. And not horribly steep, but good, good solid rolling hills. So we eased into the woods to go to go after this turkey. And we sat down sit against a tree and do some calling. And the turkey initially, and we called this turkey forever. I mean, it was it was a couple of daggone hours. But the turkey initially, would, he would answer. He'd be like, yep, I'm over here. And he'd answer almost every time he called to him. We didn't, didn't overcall to him. We, we laid it on him at first, trying to see if we could get him to move. But after that, he wasn't doing a whole lot. But we still called to him and said, all right, we can get him to come up here. Because we were up on the ridge and it was down the down the hill into one of these draws and then up on another hill that was was across from it and he'd answer but real hard at first but then he kind of slowed down I mean he'd answer but he I mean, he was he tell he wasn't as interested and so we sit there for a while and I finally look over and I'm like I think I'm gonna have to kind of crawl up and get up a little bit closer to this turkey and because he he's not coming up this hill and it's the last day and we gotta get something we gotta get something done here. I'm going to jump in for a second because yeah, I, I think you're downplaying this a little bit. <laughs> okay. That turkey, when we first got over there, he wasn't just responsive. Oh, yeah. He was falling all over himself yeah. responsive. Yeah. And the farmer, if it was not us calling to the turkey, making him gobble, anytime the farmer would bang some equipment around, the turkey would gobble. And at one point, I think the farmer was messing with the turkey, and it sounded like he's banging a wrench on a, an empty 55-gallon metal drum, just banging it, banging it, banging it, and every time he hit that drum, that turkey gobbled, and the turkey was gobbling so much, he was running out of breath. Yeah. He was like, I mean, just time after time after time after time, that turkey was gobbling his brains out. Yeah. And so you downplayed that. I'm not I, even going to say a little bit. You downplayed I, that. I, I did. I did a lot. And, I, <laughs> I did, and, and, and yeah, you're right. And initially, he would gobble himself out. It was ridiculous. Take coughed at the end, just like you just did. I mean, he was coughing at the end. I was saving the farmer with the barrel because at the end of it all, that's how I killed that turkey. And so we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. He fizzled out. Oh yeah, he fizzled out, and that farmer was working on a piece of equipment. I don't think he was messing with him, but maybe he was. That would make that that would make it even better. I'd love to know if he actually was. But that farmer, every time he would drop that wrench, and it had to be on a barrel, and the barrel went boom, that turkey would gobble and light light off all over again. But that turkey was absolutely on fire, and probably one of the hardest goblin turkeys I've ever hunted. I mean, he just was going at it nonstop when we got in there on him. So you're right, for sure. <laughs> I downplayed that, but it was crazy. It was crazy. But again, so we're sitting there, and we're like, this turkey's going nuts. And he's down there. He's not coming up here. And what are we going to do? The last thing, really, you want to try and do, and these woods were pretty open. Not pretty open. These woods were open. Now, when you're hunting in anything thick, big oaks, not a lot of undergrowth in there so it wasn't much moving you could do on these things so probably i looked at you and you looked at me and we said you're going to move on this turkey nothing's ever going to happen and we gotta we gotta go do something here 
So as much as he was gobbling, it, it's amazing to me still that he did not call, call it a hen. hen. Yeah. And, and when you consider how many hens were in there, uh, there had to be at least 8,200 hens that were in that field the afternoon before. So you know this area is just covered full, up with hens. Full of hens. I mean, full of hens. And better lucky than good sometimes. But I mean, yeah. I, I'm shocked he didn't call it a hen. I still to this day am shocked he didn't call it a hen. And he didn't have a hen with him. I mean, mm-hmm. he did not have a hen with him. Lord knows he was trying his damnedest to get a hen to come over there to him. And it just it just didn't happen. I don't know if it was pinched because he was pinched between the road. And we caused all that chaos in the field in the morning, killing birds. Could be. You know? Could be. Could, could very well be. We ran them all out there, and I had them all boxed up. But I was shocked that he didn't have any, any birds with him. But he did try his hardest to get a hen over there. So we're locked up on this bird. He's still gobbling. Like I said, we sat there and we were talking like, hey, what are we going to do here? What, what, what do you think? And, and finally we made the decision, all right, let's move on. Go ahead and move on him. Be super careful. It's wide open. Move down on him. I proceeded. I took my vest off, and, but I crawled with my vest for a while. And this is important. Actually, this is really important. I crawled, I belly crawled with my vest on for probably about, and this bird, depending on where he had his, he had his strut jump. He was going up to the yeah. top of the hill and going over the hill. And when he was on the other side, not a big hill, but a little rise. And when he was on the other side of that, he was 150 yards from us, roundabout. When he mm-hmm. would come back over, he would crawl, he would come back down that hill. And when he would hit back down towards the base of that, he would go almost all the way down to the base of it. He was probably from where we were sitting at that point in time. 100 yards. So figure 250 yards at the farthest, about 100 yards from where we were sitting at the closest when he would come back down that hill. Maybe a little bit further, but roundabout there. But so I proceeded to start belly crawling. I left my vest on. And I get about, I don't know, about 20 yards into this. And I'm like, idiot, take your vest off. Take your binocs off. This is crazy. You got stuff all over the place. And so I pull all that stuff off. The reason that's important is I lost my best striker I've ever had to this day. <laughs> so if, you, if you're hunting in Missouri and you come across a striker in a little neck of woods. I will pay uh, for it. Big money. Send me, a, send me an email and I'll get in touch with John and we can find out if that's the one he lost or not. <laughs> I paid big money. I paid big money for that striker to get that striker back. That's a, <laughs> it's the best striker I've ever had, and it's gone. And I've never found one to replace it to this day that was as good as that daggone thing. And that thing was not. It wasn't fancy enough, and it was probably cheap. Not probably it was a cheap old striker, in it, but it sounded so good. It made a call just, man, talk, and uh, but I've never gotten a better one. Uh, one even as close as good since. So. I lost that striker. If you happen to be hunting close to a hardtop road with a farmer with a red barn on the side of the road on the top of a hill and you find a striker, that's mine. Send me an email. All right? Gosh, still drives me nuts. So, so but I take my vest off and I get all that off and I lose my striker. And I'm really, I'm just easing down this hill. And Andy's calling to the turkey. But at this point, the turkey's really kind of not responding to his, his calls anymore. But... The turkey is responding to the farmer putting the, the wrench on top of the drum like clockwork. And this farmer was regularly hitting this drum, which goes back to Andy's conspiracy theory that maybe he was doing it on purpose. I don't know. But if he was, I probably should send him a check to give him a little bit of money. So 
drums going off, turkeys gobbling. And what I figured out while I was crawling down this hill was about what that turkey sounded like when he was over the other ridge, over the little hill. So mm-hmm. when the turkey would gobble, when he was over the ridge, I'd quickly, you know, not a long ways, but I'd crawl for it maybe five, ten yards. And I'd wait for him to come back down. And he'd gobble down there, too, because, again, this farmer was wearing this drum out. And then I'd wait till he went back up. And when he would be on the other side, I'd crawl back down and crawl back down. So I finally get down, and I'm about, at this point, about 20 yards from this, the bottom of this draw. And there's a creek in it, and there's a blowdown, a big oak blowdown. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm just, I know I'm close to the turkey at this point, and he just gobbled over the other ridge. So I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I keep saying I'm going to see this turkey. And it's one of those age-old experiences when you look up, and you're like, oh, that turkey's right there. I mean, again, the woods are wide open, but I didn't see him until he's maybe like 40, 50 yards away. Yeah. And I'm like, I guarantee you this turkey has seen me. I mean, it's just the woods are wide open. I'm laying on the ground, but still, yeah, hitting that day on good. Right. And the turkey kind of raises his head up and looks at me. And he's not strutting or anything. He's just walking around. He's walking up and down the hill. He's not really strutting at all. Uh, he may have been strutting when he hit the other side of the hill because it was on the edge of his field, but he was just walking. And I'm like, well, it's over. He's too far away for me to get my gun up and shoot without doubt. And I'm sure he's seen me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm real still. And I'm like, all right, I've screwed the whole thing up. Probably sit there for a minute. It felt like five, but about a minute. And he goes back to just walking. So, but instead of him coming all the way down to the bottom of the hill at that point, he walked back up to the top. Mm-hmm. And when he walked back up to the top, farmer hit the drum. Boom, he gobbled again. So then I scuttled down another 10 yards. And then I sat there and I waited on him. And this turkey again, when he comes down the hill, there had to have been a little rise in there someplace. But I didn't see him. I saw him when he was about, probably about 30 yards away. But I had my gun up. And I'm shooting from my belly, though, which is never a great place to try to shoot. Right. <laughs> and he comes down. He gets right down by the blowdown. He's kind of the, the weeds or in the limbs of it, in the middle, middle of it all. And I slowly raise up just a little bit. And I, I say to myself, turkey, just stick your head up just a little bit right now. And he does. And I shoot, and I roll him. And I'm like, hot dog. And I jump up to go after him, and he jumps up, too. I, I'm like, I don't know. So I go, and his, he's running. He, he didn't really run. He took like three, four steps. I shot him again, and I killed him with that shot. I ran over. And the first thing I hear, <laughs> I always remember this, is Andy Young. You know I'm right up here, right? Because <laughs> Andy was convinced I was shooting towards him, and I wasn't. It was the way the land laid out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're good. And at this point, I'm standing on the turkey's head, and I'm looking, and I see just one spur of this turkey. And I said, no, no, we're good. You're good up there, but you've got to come down here, and you've got to see what this is. And he's like, is it a good one? And I said, yeah, it might be all right. Come take a look. And then Andy proceeds to scurry down the hill. And then why don't you take it from there? Well, I remember after you told me that I had not been shot. <laughs> I remember a little joyous scream. There was some yelling going on. Let go. Mm-hmm. And so I hear this, woo, going on. 
And I said, is he a good one? And you said, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. You got to come check him out. I get down there to the bottom of that hill. This turkey is bigger than anything I've ever seen mounted. Definitely bigger than anything I've ever killed. Definitely bigger than anything I've ever seen in a magazine. This thing is huge. How big were his spurs, John? Well, one side was two and one eighth, and the other was two and one quarter on the spurs. Two and a quarter and two and a eight spurs, and the beard on the turkey was right under sixteen. Sixteen inches. Yeah. The turkey is huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. And, and, when and, and way close to twenty, I think when we weighed him, like close to twenty-five, twenty-six pounds. He was, yeah, he was a Missouri moose. It was ridiculous. Oh, oh yeah, no doubt. And we had all killed very nice, nice turkeys yeah. on this trip. I don't think anybody killed a turkey that had smaller than inch and an eighth, inch and a quarter spurs, which we were all tickled with. And when we go on these trips, we typically will have a little pot on the side, not like marijuana pot. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll, we'll typically have a, a little side bet of 20, 25 bucks each that goes into the pot for the person who kills the biggest turkey. And so, you know, just a little friendly competition going on. So we're all thinking that we've got a shot of winning the, the money until I looked down at this bird and I thought, good God, you could combine two of the turkeys that we've killed and they might equal that one that John's killed. It was ridiculous, the size of this bird. But, and I guess the bird was, he was wary like you would expect an old bird to be in that he was not coming to us when we were up there on the hill calling. He was in his strut zone and he knew that no matter how hard up he was for a little loving that morning, Giving a buzz. Yeah. He was he was not going. It's the hen's job to come to him and he was not going anywhere. And he was in the strut zone. He was gonna do fine walking side to side and back and forth in the strut zone, but he was not going anywhere from that point. And being and, able to and, realize and, and you know you know, Andy too, you think about it, he had the best strut zone on that entire piece of property too. Oh yeah. I mean it was the nailed down nothing pretty much Obviously, something could have gotten to him, but pretty much nothing could have gotten to him struck down. It was these spot of spots on that property. Right. The woods were open, and with the lay of the land, he had a little hill that he was up on, and he'd check that hill out and or get up there at the top of that hill and check everything out. He he pretty well had it figured out. And look at it in a, in a turkey's eyes. Coyotes and bobcats don't have shotguns. Right. So he knows that if something's out of place, and it's at a distance, he's okay for a little bit. It's when that, whatever that is, it's out of place, gets a little too close for comfort that they'll bail on you. So, you know, that shotgun being able to reach out and touch them, they don't account for that. But if you were a coyote trying to get to that turkey, that was never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. From where he was. No, he had the spot of spots. He was a smart, smart bird. Showed, showed his age. And that's why when I said earlier, when he could tell, when he came down that hill that one time, and he didn't see, well, obviously he didn't see me moving, but I mean, I'm laying on the ground. And you could tell he was kind of like, there's something a little weird over there. But he never he never completely figured it out, which is why he didn't cut all the way back down. He went back up on top, got comfortable. I moved when he was back up on top. 
So I wasn't there anymore, and I was actually in a better spot because when he'd come down that time, I was in pretty much in, I was way, way, way in the open. And when he went back up, I crawled into a, an area where I had some cover around me and some shade because the, the sun was on me when he came down the first time where I was a bit yeah. more covered up. And that's the only reason he came back all the way back down. He got comfortable back up top, and then he was like, all right, I'm going to go on back down. But he didn't go the whole way down the first time I was in there. Being able to realize when that turkey is perfectly content being where he is and he is not coming to you, that makes a world of difference in your success rate in killing turkeys. And I am probably the worst when it gets to that point because in my mind, one of two things are going to happen and I'm perfectly okay with either one of them. And that is I'm going to bump him or I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And... I truly am perfectly okay with either one of those scenarios because if I bump one, I'm going to go find another one. And if I kill him, we're done. So, you know, I, I will, I'll move on them and won't hesitate. But John realized pretty early on that that turkey was in a strut zone and was not coming to us. And as much as that turkey was gobbling, I thought he's, we can maybe play the quiet game with him and get him to break from a strut zone and come to us or whatever else. But you realize that was not happening and, mm-hmm. and you'd made that decision to make a move on him. And that's really what helped kill that turkey because no telling how many hunters he'd seen. I'm sure piles of them. And, you know, the thing is, it's hard to figure out. And that's why one of the reasons why to be successful turkey hunting, one of the reasons it's so hard when you go to fresh states and new spots is knowing knowing the ground and the turn. Right. And that turkey kind of acted like he was blocked, like he had something between us and him that prevented him from coming to us initially. But the longer he went, and he was so vocal, which really, really helped, he realized that this has nothing to do with him being blocked, that that's just where he wants to be. So there's not something in his way. That's where he's going to stay. If you want to try and get after him, you're going to have to go to him versus versus sitting and waiting. It's two totally different approaches when a turkey's blocked versus when a turkey's in his own. If a turkey's blocked, you say, I'll wrap around on him. Maybe right. get a different angle, get around where he's blocked on. When a turkey's in his own, he's there for a reason. It's because it's real hard to get to him. Yeah. And he's real comfortable with where he is. And this one just happened to be... Fortunately, vocal enough that you could tell it's like he's not blocked. He's just in his zone, and if we're going to make something happen, we're going to have to try and go in there and get after him. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up because it is a huge difference. You know, those turkeys that are blocked, you can get from a different angle and call them in to you. That turkey that's in a strut zone, you've got to figure out a way to get in that strut zone while mm-hmm. he's in it. Yeah. So you're right. And you can usually do that if that strut zone's far enough, 50, 75 yards, and when that turkey gets to the other end of it, you can make your approach. And it takes some time, a little bit, like John said, 5 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards at a time if you're lucky. And you got to be careful not to push it. And everything played out just right, obviously, because the turkey's dead. But everything played out in that the farmer was banging and that turkey was gobbling enough for you to be able to keep a pinpoint on his location. Now, when we got back to the lodge... Yeah. A phone call was made to the owner of the, yeah, the outfitter mm-hmm. operation that we were hunting with, and he offered to buy that turkey from you, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. But he didn't offer to give us all a free trip. <laughs> no, he didn't. I didn't uh, think but, about but, that. But, but, 
that, by the way, that wouldn't have worked either. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I know how you work. I know how you work. You Yankees are so cheap. <laughs> uh, no, I would not. He was like, you can give everybody a free trip. I'm like, no, I still don't think you're going to end up with it. But yeah, yeah, he did. He did offer to buy the turkey. He offered to mount the turkey. He offered to mount the turkey and take it on the road show. And he offered a bunch of different ways to get the bird. And he reminded me several times that, and while we never put it in the books, which is funny because you know, I don't know how many grand slams and, and royal slams you've got, but you're not in the book. I mean, I don't know how many no. people actually did go do that stuff. But he said, that's the number three turkey in the world. And basically, I want it. Yeah. Uh, was the summary of the conversation. That was a lot longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually in Missouri was number two, typical. Is that right? At that time, I think he was two or one. There were a couple big birds killed that spring, but he's two or one. And apparently, I mean, again, I ain't going to look all this stuff up. But yeah, yeah. we're going off of what he's telling yeah, us. Yeah, what he's telling us. But, and apparently then number three overall. So, I mean, he was yeah. a, a legitimate world-class well, and obviously still it, but a world-class turkey. So he's a heck of a bird. But he did he did offer to take it off my hands on on more than one occasion. It was funny. So I ended up. So he's like, "Hey, I want the I really like the turkey, and there are lots of different things going on." I'm like, "No, I'm want I'm gonna I'm gonna take it with me." And we all flew out there. Nobody's close. But one of the funny things about that trip is, so I put the turkey in a nylon and put it in paper and then put it in a big construction block trash bag thing and wrapped it up and taped it up so it's all nicely put together so it wouldn't get hurt or messed up. And I put it in my bag. <laughs> I have a, one of those rolling bags that a lot of people have. It's a you know, big, big, like Columbia-looking bag. And it's yeah. big. It's not a small bag. And I put them in there, and I'm like, all right. He's not frozen or anything, I mean, but... I'm like, listen, I got to use the airport, I got to fly home. It's not going to mess the turkey up. I just, I'll just put it in the bag and I'll, and I'll do that. And, but so I go to the airport and I go to check in. And I put my bag on the, the little weight thing when you check your bags. And the, yep. lady, the lady's like, well, your bag weighs 80 pounds. Why is it so heavy? And I said, well, there's a turkey in there. And she's like, what? I said, there's a turkey in there, in the bag. And she laughed and thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And she didn't believe me one bit. <laughs> but really, I'm like, open it up. There's a turkey in there. And she thought it was the craziest thing. She thought I was uh, I was insane. Yeah. And at least they yeah. let me on the plane. And they're like, man, this, this guy's got problems. But, yeah, there's a turkey in the bag because I don't want to leave the turkey behind. But, She's yeah. just thinking to herself, this crazy Yankee. Right. Made you believe that there's a turkey inside this bag, a wild turkey inside this bag. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it was a heck. I mean, listen, it was a heck of a hunt. It was, and you know, for people listening, and, and this is the thing. I mean, and we've traveled a bunch, and we've been to a ton of places, and we've been we've been very fortunate, and we do a lot of references, and, and people do a ton of legwork on these things. Andy does a ton of legwork on these things, but we've been fortunate that we've had a ton of very good hunts. We had a oh, yeah. few not so great ones, but we've also gotten to the point now where we can identify pretty early when some of them are bad, which is nice. But this hunt, the end of it all, basically she's a turkey of a lifetime, which is phenomenal. I mean, just a great, great, great thing. Um, but the first two days, we were all some of the most miserable people on the face of the planet. So yeah. Yeah, I guess the only reason I said that is 
when you go on these trips, stay after it. To talk to the outfitter, we didn't know that, you know, we again, back to references, we found this guy through somebody else, and we didn't know there was a problem there. And right. Communicating with guys because if, if we hadn't, and Andy, I think you were the guy who really did it, said, Look, me, I talked to somebody about what's going on here. Um, if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been successful, any of us, on yeah. that trip. And these trips are, they're an investment for a variety of reasons, like we were talking about earlier, but you got to communicate with these guys to understand where you're coming from. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I know it will happen. We will end up with another outfitter that's not going to be great at some point in time. Yeah. But you got to do the legwork up front, like John said, and then not only that, but when you get there, you've got to call these guys out on what they promised you. Yeah. And we knew that this outfitter had better ranches to hunt. Right, we did. Because they run a lot of deer hunters through this operation, and you can't put 200 deer hunters on five 20-acre ranches over the course of a season. It just doesn't work that way. And so we knew that they had a bunch of ranches. And then while we were there in the lodge, we found the book that had all of the, the plat book that had all of the ranches that they had leased on it or in it, I should say. And that's when we really started getting serious with them. And, and, you know, why can't we hunt here? Why can't we hunt here? Well, you know, come to find out you're hunting with so-and-so and so-and-so has um, come down here and abused his rights and abused his privileges and so we were like look you know we, he recommended we come here we're not doing what he's doing we're here to kill a turkey yeah and, and that's, and, what, and, that's what we want to do and you, and you won't see us ever again because the state will be off our list so yeah i mean at the end of the yeah. day those guys did the right thing which is why we were not we won't sit here and call them out and say well, you know i would recommend this place uh, right. at, at the same time they didn't go above and beyond from day one like a like a like a group like say Chain Ranch. He's yeah. you know, by far probably one of the best groups I've ever gone out and done a turkey hunt with. And I will run around and tell everybody on the face of the planet, you wanna go shoot turkeys, um, go out with Chain Ranch. Those guys are unbelievable. So whether it's your first day to hunt or turkey hunting for fifty years, yeah. You yeah. need to go hunt with them. Uh, yeah. it's it's an experience. But, from, yeah, from, beginning, from, be, yeah, from beginning to end, they are that impressive. We've hunted a pile of places, but uh, they, they, those guys, the guys like King Ranch, tell anybody, I don't care if you're where you are in your history or of hunting or what you want to do, go with that group. They're going to show you a great time. They're going to do everything they can to make you successful, and they're going to be fun, which is super important, too. It's a great outfit. Without a doubt. Well, you know, you mentioned that we've been to some places where the outfitters were not that great. And we actually have another story about that that we'll share on a different podcast. So let's wrap this one up. I've kept you too long this evening, and I appreciate you sharing the story about your Missouri turkey and truly is a trophy bird. And can you, I'm not even going to ask you, send me a picture of that turkey and I'll post it. I will. With the with the blog and the cover photo for this episode of the podcast so everybody can see it. It's a spectacular turkey. It really is crazy big. So I've got turkey envy for those of you that can't tell. <laughs> well, listen, the, the best thing about that turkey hunt, and, and Lord knows we, we've done a bunch together, is that we, uh, we shot them together. That was, uh, as usual, a good time because I didn't know what I was pulling the trigger on. I didn't know what I was getting. I was just getting a turkey just getting a turkey and loving every minute of it and you end up with the trophy at the end of it all and that's 
that's always fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's really about the people you're out there with and, and the good time that you're having. And that was one of many spectacular hunts that we've that we've had. Yeah, we can talk at another time about one of those some of those hunts that maybe weren't so spectacular, but we still made work out. Well, the one that I want to share is the one where the outfitter was less than spectacular, but the hunt is just gut-busting funny. <laughs> yeah. And the hunt was spectacular, but the outfitter was way the opposite direction of spectacular yeah. on the other end of the scale. So we'll get to that one on a different call, but I appreciate you being on the call with us this evening and telling the story about your Missouri bird, and I look forward to hunting with you again. Uh, actually, you and I are going to be hunting together in a couple of weeks. We are. We are. Chase yeah. some doves, aren't we? That's right. Exactly. The winter, the winter spectacular, where we'll, where we will be finalizing our spring hunt, which is the most yes, important indeed. most important part of the uh, winter spectacular is finalizing where we're going to spring turkey hunt this year coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too early to start planning, is it? No. Good deal. Well, thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll see you soon, and I'll talk to you sooner than that. All right. Thanks, man. Good Have a great night. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.